1: A note of warning this podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast, bringing you high-profile and under-the-radar cases from across the country for the week of August 29th, 2019. I'm Billy Jensen, here with Owen Michael. Hello. And our guest this week is Darren Carp. Darren's host of the Martinis and Murder True Crime podcast, you can find on oxygen..com And she's also a Bravo personality and an assistant to Bravo TV's Andy Cohen. Hi, Darren.
2: Hi, guys. How are you today? Thanks for having me.
1: Doing good. So, last week, I believe I was sitting in your chair... At 30 Rock. That's right. And uh, their offices, by the way, they have a view of the city. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably the nicest podcast office you'll ever see at Martini's and Murder. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. you. say are saying it's better than this one? It's better than this one. I yeah, see. I'm sorry. Okay. And I know we just did some stuff with this I one. mean, I wish the viewers could but see the, the, have the, a view. The,
3: the view out of here. Uh, the view is beautiful. A, a, the beautiful really downtown Burbank. Sorry, people. But, um, uh,
1: but no, we, I did miss you there, but um, me and the thrash... Uh, we ha- we had a fun time together.
2: You mm. kept the seat warm for me, Billy. I, I, I appreciate that.
1: Okay, so this week, we've got a wrongfully convicted man exonerated after 28 years in prison, a man who pimped underage girls from jail uh, to raise money for his bail, and an astronaut crime. But first, a missing persons advocate and activist has gone missing herself. Owen, what's going on in Louisville?
3: This is the uh, case of Andrea Canabel. She's a woman from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, louisville police are conducting a missing persons case in uh, her disappearance andrea knabel uh is 37 years old she's a single mother of two she was last seen earlier this month on august 13th about 1 a.m late monday night early tuesday uh the 13th she's walking in an area around uh, autobahn autobahn park which is uh a small city within the Louisville metro area. It's kind of a historic district, about two miles from the University of Louisville, and about five miles from the Louisville International Airport. Airport, excuse me. Um, this particular case is uh, interesting because Andrea Cannable is uh, she's a missing persons advocate herself and is um, an activist and well known uh, apparently in the community of people working with uh, working to find missing people she works with an organization called Missing in America it's a national group to find missing children and adults um like i said she disappeared uh, she was reported missing about 1am uh, august 13th uh, she was on foot she had left her sister's house nearby cbs news reports that uh, she was upset when she left she was walking to her mom's house about a half mile away at some point she called a friend from her cell phone at about 1:30am uh, for a ride uh, her phone is now going straight to voicemail. It's a little um, unusual that she was going from a family member's house to another family member's house had called for uh, a ride mm-hmm. at a very late hour. Um,
1: so, uh, Andrea Canabel. she's described as white. She's 5'7", inch, inches tall, about 190 pounds, light brown hair. She was last seen wearing a light-colored tank top and white shorts. Family and friends said she was recently laid off. And that her car was recently badly damaged in a hit-and-run crash. And currently, as of this moment, Louisville police say they have no leads. So anybody out there in Louisville or the surrounding areas, um, there's, a, there's been a lot of talk about this locally. But let's see if we could find this woman. So now we're going to go to Northern California, Bob Fennenbach. He's a man convicted of killing an accused child molester on testimony of nine-year-old boy, is now executed. So Bob Fennebach was arrested in October 91 in Trinity County in Northern California. That's about four hours north of Sacramento and the Redwoods and the mountains and everything. Fennebach he uh, he ran a wood-cutting business and owned a mining claim in the area. And it's the fourth least populated area in California. It's very remote. I've done a story um, over there. Um, it's like, there's so many, by the way, this is, it has nothing to do with this case. There's a lot of places to bury a body out there. In Trinity County.
3: Do you, oh, man. Did, yeah. yeah, Darren, uh, have you seen this, uh, what was that, the The Humboldt County one? Was it called, like, the... Murder Mountain. Murder Mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similar sort of geography over yeah. there. Have you happened to see that one, Darren?
2: I did see that one. So it's basically just like you could literally bury a body anywhere, and it's almost impossible
3: to I find. Mean, people kind of go up there. Uh, right. There's a lot of communities up there that you're sort of going away to be off the grid and sort you, of yeah, rugged mountain it's, people.
1: it's very much still like the Wild Wild West up there, mm-hmm. and that was where they call it the Emerald Triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, This is a little bit kind of, some people, some people like to include it in the Emerald Triangle. It's a little bit further out. It's a little bit more deserty, but um, Humboldt County in particular, that's where a lot of weed was being grown. Mm -hmm. And when, when that was illegal uh, um, and I know it's, you know, it's, it, it is illegal to do it in in certain places, you know, you have to have permits and all that stuff now, but uh, you know, it was like the wild West and they very much, um, they, they settled law on their own, on their own terms. We did a, a story, and actually the story in my book about the Humboldt Five, and the very first member of the Humboldt Five, Jade Wilmer, she went missing in Trinity County. Where was she going when she went missing? She was going to go clip mm-hmm. marijuana leaves. That's, that's what happens out there. So
2: Oh wow. Yeah.
1: So um, so Fennebach was arrested on suspicion of murdering Gary Summer. Now Gary Summer had been beaten and stabbed at a campground in the area. He had been stabbed at least 70 times. His eyes were gouged out and his ear was cut off. He was 37 and he was homeless. Now, last Friday, authorities announced that new evidence and a prior confession resulted in a reversal of Fennbach's conviction 28 years later. A 1992 L.A. Times article has great information on this case, known at the time as the Hawkins Bar 8. Five men and three women were charged in the murder. And it was the first death penalty trial in the county. In the fall of 1992, Gary Summer uh, was living with his girlfriend and another woman in a trailer at that Hawkins Bar campground. His girlfriend called sheriff's office, reported Summer had molested her four or five-year-old daughter. Molestation was not confirmed by a medical exam, um, but the girlfriend told everybody in the community. And then Summer disappeared. Four days later, he was found dead on this unpaved lumber road, um, half buried next to a tree stump.
3: Oh, wow! In that, uh, in that, I, I suggest if uh, anybody's interested, looking up this uh, 1992, 1992 LA Times article about it has a lot of uh, very good details. Like I said, this did this happened in October nineteen ninety one, so it is uh, definitely a throwback as far as um, it was uh, things were a lot more different uh, then than they are now. As far as like you said, Bill, now uh, things are a little bit more um, the, mm-hmm. the the is tourism and legal weed and all that kind of st- that kind of stuff is is uh, come a long way go ahead and guys this is
2: like a really small community so if she is if the girlfriend's telling everyone in the community that you know he molested her daughter it's almost like twitter today like it's going viral in the right. community right
3: that and and it seemed that ella that law enforcement at the time speculated that that was sort of the intent was um, a there were quotes from people around at the same time, too, saying, I don't know if he did it or not. But right, this is people sort of take the law into their own hands just because law enforcement sort of scarce up there. And it's uh, rugged individualism is the is the is the byword there. So right. it seems that the this man was word got out. And someone apparently took it upon themselves to kill him. Uh, as I said, they're, they're in this article, they talk about the Doctor, at least one doctor did examine the girl, did not find um, evidence that she was molested. There was some speculation that this woman had uh, decided she didn't want to live with him anymore and sort of wanted to wanted him out of there and wanted to basically bum rush him out of the community and take the money, but that was speculation at the time. Uh, as you said, Bill, four days after he disappeared, he was found dead. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a pretty bad attack. Um, the one witness... And this is how Bob Fennenbach ended up in jail. Uh, essentially, girlfriend's other child, a nine-year-old boy, the son said he witnessed the murder from the bed of a Ford Ranchero, which is sort of like a uh, like a Chevy El Camino. It's a you know, it's got a it's a car with a with a truck bed. Um, Bob Fennenbach was 38 at the time. He had been dropped off earlier on the day of that murder by the guy who was driving this uh, this Ford Ranchero, who happened to be the boyfriend of the the, the right. of of the woman who's, uh, whose whose uh, child was was uh, allegedly molested um, his body excuse me his bloody knife was uh, found next to Gary Summers' body um, that was sort of the only hard evidence that they had around at the time um, but the nine year old essentially agreed with detectives that sort of by all there, accounts there the detectives had sort of pushed of, him a little, little bit a little bit of a coercion they there. They'd cultivated him a little bit
1: yeah. Uh, because he kept saying, he repeatedly saying he didn't see anything, and then they were just like, no, you did no, you didn't. And then he finally said, yes, okay, I saw that Fennenbach did it. And that's according to the lead attorney for the Northern California Innocence Project. And the NCIP uh, says the boy was coached by a therapist and convinced by detectives that Fenenbach was part of this mob. But there was no physical evidence ever linking Fennenbach to the crime. The driver, Bernard McCarley, was the woman's boyfriend, like we said. And he actually confessed to murdering Gary, Gary Summer by himself after Fennebach was convicted. And McCarley was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. But Fennebach actually stayed in prison because the confession was post-conviction evidence that had to be, quote, unerring, without error to indicate his innocence, which is a pretty high bar. And the California Supreme Court at the time ruled that the confession did not meet that threshold. So this guy had to stay in prison for that long. Mm-hmm. He reached out oh, to the NCIP in 2017 himself. He could go free within the next two months. Uh, I don't know what they're waiting for, but I guess there's some paperwork to be done. The NCIP tried to transfer Fendenbach from California state prison to a jail. In the meantime, prosecutors do have 60 days to decide to retry Fennenbach or appeal the Solano County Supreme Court, uh, Superior Court decision to exonerate him.
3: There's another high-profile one we we talked about uh, last week, uh, uh, Darren. I'm sure you've covered some of this stuff on your uh, podcast as well. Just the Innocence Projects across the country and and exonerations and and that kind of stuff, reversals. Uh, we had the we talked about Brian Banks' case last week. Right. Um, oh yeah. He's got his he's got his movie out in the theaters right now. There was an update to uh, Dante Sharp, who's a North Carolina story. Uh, also, faulty evidence, faulty witness testimony. Uh, they're exonerated. and They're out. Uh, it appears that the, the same thing is happening here with uh, Bob. Like you said, Billy, he actually reached out to the Northern California Innocence Project himself. Nobody sort of, he was kind of buried. You yeah. know, it, it was it was gone.
1: No, and know. he, ha- and, you know, because, like we talked about last week, because California was so on the forefront of uh, the DNA, you know, a lot of innocence projects across the country won't take a case unless there is DNA evidence because they know that's a slam dunk and they are so, there's such this sort of, uh, backlog of potential cases where they've found DNA. California has passed that now, for the most part. I'm sure there's still some out there. But now they're able to take cases where it's not as cut and dry as, you know, the killer's DNA was left at the scene. You know, it's cases like this with faulty witnesses. Um, you know, th- this guy's knife was there. I mean, this was a whole confession that was said ahead of time that, that they just didn't um, do the reversal on. So, you know, we're seeing some good things out of California.
2: Yeah, this is at least a good news story. Unfortunately, he's not out of of, of prison yet, which I don't know what's taking them so long, but at Mm -hmm. least it's a good story. I'm a huge fan of the Innocence Project. They do incredible work.
3: I'm I'm struck by... The prosecutors do have, as we said, they have a 60-day window uh, to decide whether they want to retry him or if they want to appeal the case or whatever. It sounds like this is... uh, They have their man in prison Mm -hmm. and... From the outside speculation here, it seems kind of petty that they would uh, uh, would want to go after this case, but you never know. Yeah. We'll, the we'll the only thing out. I'm
1: thinking of is they're figuring out how much it's going to cost them mm-hmm. if he does right. decide to sue, if he does decide to, if they want him to try to do an Alfred plea or something along those lines. I mean, who knows what they're going to try and, and get it so they don't get, uh, uh, th- For for me, this is just them trying to figure out the finances of this thing.
3: Do we have either of you guys ever heard of a, any of these exoneration cases where they didn't go and take legal action against the state or, or well, if they, they had,
1: if they taken, I mean, West Memphis three is a perfect example. I mean, those kids, they, who were adults by the time they had to take an Alfred plea, which meant that they were basically saying that they were yeah, guilty. They were so they analogy. wouldn't, and it was all about not suing mm-hmm. these awful right. people that put them in jail.
2: It's sad that it's all about money at this. And I also wonder if Bernard McCarley hadn't, admitted to it right would fennenbach still be in prison oh yes.
3: absolutely it yeah. seems uh, it right. seems that that was the the major thing here right. i'm also curious about the nine-year-old boy um you know 10-year-old boy we don't have any indication of where he is or who he is or anything like that and i don't expect that to either but i wonder whether that's sort of uh maybe it would be something i would think about a lot as, uh, as i was becoming a grown grown man i mean that's a long time ago um but knowing sort of what happened about that um
2: Right, it's hard to say like it's his responsibility because he no, was nine years old at the time, right, exactly. but it was definitely the parent's responsibility or someone to.
3: We had the again this Dante Sharp uh, case that we talked about last week. Uh, Lonnie Coombs, our guest, talked about uh, the the witness was a fifteen year old against him, and she had tried to recant, but they weren't taking her word for it, and she personally was feeling terrible about it. I mean, He's just like a twenty five year old woman now um, that sort of passed away a little bit on on. It.
2: I'd imagine. Yeah.
3: But uh, at least, you know, 10 years old, uh, he may not have a a full memory of it or whatever the case may be. However, uh, we do have some good news here for Bob and uh, Godspeed. So uh, for our next case, we've got something out of Charlotte, North Carolina into South Carolina. This is Zarel Fuentes. He's a North Carolina man. Uh, He's 24. He was in jail in Charlotte. He is still Uh, He was in jail on hit-and-run and and gun charges in 2016 when he came up with a plan. He couldn't afford bond, um, so he decided that while he was in jail, he recruited three underage girls over the phone to engage in prostitution in order to raise money to pay for his bond, uh, as one does. In April 2016, his wife, Brianna Wright, and his mother, Tanya Fuentes, picked up the girls in the Charlotte area and drove them to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, about four hours away, where uh, Zerel's mother, Tanya Fuentes, paid for the lodging of these girls and the wife. The wife, Brianna, posted prostitution ads online, including on back, Backpage.com, according to, uh, to, according to WSOC. She posted these ads for the girls. She arranged meetings for them. She drove the girls to see clients. Uh, prosecutors say at least two of the girls engaged in sexual acts, Prosecutors say that in a phone in a recorded phone call from jail, Zarel Fuentes uh, was talking to a female friend. He said, quotes, three little birdies are going to the beach to do something for him. So That's, his, that's his, slick,
1: doesn't Yeah, those are his code words. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, we've talked about this as well, too. Uh, I don't know who doesn't know that you're being recorded and you think you're being Well, he
1: probably did know,
3: but he was, you he
2: know. He thought that was code he he thought he was birdies. clever enough to use I've code got, words. I
1: train these birds.
2: They're mm. going, <laughs> going to the beach. For me.
3: Yeah. So, uh, the wife and the mother were arrested a year later. That was in April, 2017. Uh, this, uh, last year, wife, Brianna and, uh, uh, the mother pleaded guilty to sex trafficking, uh, Excuse me, Brianna, she pleaded guilty to sex trafficking last year. She got uh, 10 years in prison on Monday. The mom sentenced to two years in prison. She pleaded guilty to conspiracy charges. So both of them uh, are going to jail for helping in this, in this plan. Zarel so Fuentes himself, he was, uh, he was charged with sex trafficking as well. He was already in jail. Now he's got this on him. He's, uh, he pleaded guilty to this. He has not yet been sentenced. There's a mandatory minimum in this case. Uh, he faces a minimum of 10 years in jail. A possible maximum term of life in prison plus a two hundred fifty thousand dollars fine. Um, some of this, you may sort of be sympathetic in that the bond bail situation. And I know California is taking some some steps on this. I'm not sure how it is in New York, uh, Darren. But as far as a uh, cash bond and that kind of thing, you're starting to hear a little bit more of this uh, in legal circles about how right. uh, you know it's it's impossible for some people that a, that it's set so high that there's no way, basically I'm cooling my heels in jail, waiting for trial because there's no way that I can ever, uh, get this bond. And it disproportionately affects, uh, uh people that are not as wealthy or, or poor or things like that. Um, but uh, that doesn't, <laughs> obviously right, the solution enlist. isn't
2: to do something illegal with right, underage girls right. either. Um, I think the thing that bothers me the most about the story outside of the fact that you know, you're doing sort of one, le- you're already in jail for doing something illegal. So you therefore try and get out of jail by doing something in addition to being illegal was that it was a mother helping mm-hmm. this go down. There's mm-hmm. just something overly disturbing about that to me.
3: I, I, I suppose this is sort of the mother instinct kind of thing that uh, she went along with this plan because she thought, well, you know. Helping her son. Helping her seems, son. Like a, yeah. seems like we can get away with this. Um, yeah. I didn't find a, a, a bail amount. But uh, that's a lot of work yeah. to, to, to do this thing. Uh, you know, apparently bond, yeah. bail, bondsmen were, bail, bail bondsmen were not interested in taking this particular one. But yeah. uh, uh, anyway, they fessed up and they are going to jail. All
1: right. well, good. Well, you know what? I've been waiting 47 years to say this next one. We're not going to go to California. We're not going to go to New York. We're not going to go overseas. We're going to space in what very well might be the first crime in space. Anne McLean sat for an interview under oath last week with the Inspector General of NASA. Anne McLean is an astronaut. She was on board the International Space Station during a six-month mission when her spouse, Summer Warden, accused her of identity theft and submitted a complaint to NASA. The two women, who married in 2014, are in the process of separating. Now, Warden, a former Air Force intelligence officer, filed for divorce in 2018 amid a parenting dispute over her six-year-old son. She, cal- she claims that Ann McLean illegally accessed her bank account while McLean was in space this year. She grew suspicious when McLean appeared to know details about her spending. McLean admits ex- accessing the account but claims she had consensual access. She had login info and claims she was never forbidden from accessing the account. McLean claims she was tending to the couple's finances, according to her attorney. Warden has also filed a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission,
3: otherwise known as the FTC. This was a a computer on board the International Space Station. That's I right. Did not highlight that well enough right. in, in this thing here, but the, yes, uh, she uh, is accused of accessing this from. The laptop yes. in space. Well, or and, or and she, she
1: admits to accessing it. The right. question now is that whether she w- was, um, whether
3: there was agreement that she could access it. As well as the other thing, uh, how do you do jurisdiction? Yes. Well, you know, if you're, if you happen to be flying over India at that particular part, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say flying, orbiting. Mm-hmm. Um, you're walking right into this one. You know you are. Go ahead. Space Force. I,
1: I oh. you know, we had an announcement about it I knew you were
2: going to say we that. did have an one announcement. I don't want to break any it. news, but uh, go on. <laughs> You know what? Although you know, with this case, I'm thinking if she had the passwords already and mm-hmm. was accessing it, you'd think that the International Space Station flying in space would be the last place that you'd really have time to. Pass I think that's what you a have all,
1: all. All you have is time up there. Wait, right, I mean, you're, kind near, of think you're, like, you're near. you're near. Yes, you're near all of the satellites. I imagine. I imagine you probably using somebody else's Netflix password. You probably have a lot of shows to watch, but. You know, there's
3: not much you can really do up there, except for. I guess I'm a little bit uh, concerned by the fact that, like, aren't you in space for a reason? Aren't there some things, some checklists, maybe some bolt tightening, <laughs> some things like get, that? You know, switches like, and
2: valves, you got to hit. Or Why Netflix is fine.
3: Netflix is one thing, but you know, stalking my ex and, and yeah. trying to get into her stuff, or allegedly whatever the, the case might be. But now, uh,
1: now, this is this is probably too much time. We've been saying that this is the first alleged crime. There are, I mean, definitely the first uh, computer crime, at least that we know about. Allegedly. But there was also that case. Remember with the um, um, that might have been a crime of the guy at the space station drilling a hole into the into the side. Do you remember that one? No. Yes. I know. That was was another that was another one as well. Again, I'll say it again. Space Force. Why? Why? I don't know. Maybe he wanted to get out. You ever be you ever on a plane and, like, somebody runs for the, runs yeah. For the, uh, the door? Yeah, By the definitely. way, the doors, can't open. The doors can't open. I've been that guy. The doors
3: can't open when you're in. That's why I try to be heavily sedated when I'm flying. But I get that. Uh, also, though, it's not exactly logical, you'd think, especially, it's bad enough on a plane, but in a, an orbiting space station drilling a hole into it seems like a really bad way to find out how pressurization works and, uh, and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I'm not an astronaut. I didn't pass any of the tests, so I don't have any claim here um Darren, yeah, and, and this... by the way the,
1: the crew plugged the hole with epoxy and gauze because yeah. there was no duct tape the russian cosmonaut said the <coughs> hole was drilled from the inside from it's coming from inside the yes. space station this is not in the international well uh, this is the crew in the international station was surprised to learn and this is coming from universe which i know you love was surprised to learn that a leak was responsible for a slight loss in air pressure about the space station Aboard the space station. After investigating, they learned the cause was a small hole in the Russian Soyuz uh, spacecraft mm-hmm. that had docked with the ISS. OK, so mm-hmm. it was that. Uh, and while the hole was promptly sealed, the cause uh, of it has remained a mystery. So.
3: so if there was a Space Force, they would ostensibly take this and uh, lead the investigation. I would I would guess that they would. Because I would
2: is, imagine so. Uh, you
3: yeah. know, and, and I, I didn't look up how high up, how far out. This thing is here, but uh, that's mm-hmm. got to be you know. It's, it's, if it, up if up? it happens on a plane, that's one thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they're trying to figure out this stuff. So, Darren, does this bring uh, bring anything to mind when you're hearing?
2: Well, about this it? did kind of remind me, and I know that we we sort of mentioned it before, but it did remind me of that. I like Lisa Nowak woman with the uh, the, diapers. the
3: diaper. Everybody remembers the diaper
1: before. The it was the, the the hallmark, the benchmark for astronaut crime was Lisa Noack in right. the diaper. Yeah. Uh,
2: now we just want to know what type of diapers they use in space, though, don't you? I mean, like, yeah. are they pampers? Like, what are we doing? Well, I, thought we,
3: it was, I thought it was just, uh, you know, uh, not to plug a particular brand, but, uh, you know, the one we're all familiar with. Uh, I right. should say I'm familiar with. Uh, Bill, I'm sure you're not yet. <laughs> but uh, I have a year on you, so <laughs> y- you'll oh, be there about that um, Well, the one thing that we do was... know is
1: that they actually there was actually going to be a planned spacewalk uh, by two female astronauts. But it was canceled because the spacesuits aboard— the mm-hmm. ISS were designed for men's bodies and wouldn't fit the women. So
0: Which
2: to me is crazy. Yeah. That's I heard
3: something
1: crazy. About
2: that, uh
3: that apparently that they were all designed and they're still the same spacesuits that were basically from the sixties to the eighties. And so, you know, when was Sally Ride? She, was she eighties, nineties? That was eighties. Like yeah. So uh but she wasn't doing a spacewalk. But uh for those viewers and listeners who don't know what we're talking about as far as the other case, Lisa Nowak was a 43-year-old woman. She was an astronaut who had spent some time in space. She allegedly drove from Houston to Orlando about 950 miles uh, in disguise, wearing adult diapers used by astronauts in space to allegedly confront another woman, a, a love rival of hers, and it was so urgent that she wanted to, She, by all accounts, she wanted to wear this wear these diapers so that she wouldn't have to stop. She wanted to get there in a hurry. She drove there. she confronted this woman in a parking lot over uh, uh, uh an air force pilot guy or excuse me an air force uh, captain uh, 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 a male astronaut that they were both had designs on. She allegedly in fact she was convicted of it um confronted this woman, she pepper sprayed her in her car, she was wearing a dark wig, she was wearing glasses and a trench coat, Uh, she was found with, she had a knife on her, she had a steel mallet, she had rubber gloves, $600 in cash, she had love letters, Uh, she had a floppy disk with bondage instructions on it, and she had a map of this woman's uh, neighborhood. So, that particular combination we've seen that uh, we've seen that movie here before, but uh, it's never really a good combination. Yeah.
1: She was later discharged from NASA and the Navy and she pled guilty to burglary and battery charges. and she had also completed a mission aboard the International
3: Space Station. which brings to mind the, the question, the obvious question, Darren, what's going on in the International Space Station?
2: That's what I want to know. I don't know if there's any incentive to be an astronaut anymore, if it's just watching Netflix up there and going on, you know, a bank account. I'm not sure if there's any incentive. The
3: the, the cabin fever is real up there. This is straight up Hal. This uh, is Hal's situation right there.
2: I will say, though, this this does make me, again, not to, you know, bring it back to the young ones, but listen, she's a female astronaut, which has to be impossible to be Mm -hmm. in the first place. You know, goes up in the space, goes on to her divorcing wife's account, I feel bad for the kid because it's clearly like a pretty nasty custody battle mm-hmm. now.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I thought you when you were, when you said you were not going to go back to the young ones. I thought you were talking about the uh, British oh, comedy, wow. the young ones. Do you remember <laughs> that? Yeah, I <laughs> that. <used laughs> to, no, it not that. Uh,
3: look that one up, kids. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing to do with astronauts. Or, nothing or to do with puns, astronauts.
1: Just uh, like four British punks living yeah. in, a, in a definitely flat. A window
3: to the early '80s. Um, uh, the, I agree. I think the kid was so is so young. I think he's what five or four, six four, now. Five. That hopefully it won't be too much. of I'm an
1: hoping
2: issue. it's that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So NASA Inspector General's investigation is ongoing. NASA said in a statement that Anne McLean is still an active astronaut. She's not been charged with any crime. But again, this is considered the first crime, uh, Potential alleged crime, crime. to yeah. happen, happen in yeah, space.
3: Yeah, kind of a bad PR look. Yeah. But uh, yeah, th- I think the diaper one has a lot more staying power than this not particular a, not one. A good,
1: yes, it's not uh, a good look I agree. for NASA. But, Until
3: uh, the next crime in mm-hmm. space. Now the way of Space Force, you know... Uh, this crime is endemic as a human experience, so we'll see if the Space Force can get things under control over here, because this is now a 100% increase over the, over the last year, where there was no space crime.
1: Okay, so now we get to comments, and you know, Owen, we get comments. We Do get tell. comments on our YouTube page, we get comments on our Facebook page, which is the largest true crime uh, Facebook page in the world, and I'm going to go to this uh, crime because it is a video, and it happened today. Uh, video shows woman power sawing into Texas Botox clinic. Someone was apparently pretty desperate for anti-aging supplies. Police in Sugarland, Texas, say that around 8:25, which is kind of early on a Friday, a woman, of course, wearing yoga pants and driving a Mercedes SUV, used a power saw to break into the Botox RN Med Spa. And wow. We, uh, you know, people have, um, you know, Jessica B said, of course, she's wearing yoga pants and Josen for that Botox. In her butt, blank, and armpits. Must be a soccer mom trying to keep that trophy in good shape. Okay, Jessica. All right. Um, uh, Tamara J. said, of course she's wearing yoga pants and driving a Mercedes. Bet you she's also vegan and a mommy blogger slash vlogger. Wasn't this in Texas? Yes. Uh, You said
2: it was with a chainsaw?
3: Uh, it was like an, a, um, a, a power saw. Like a bandsaw.
2: Power thing, saw. Right? Yeah. yeah, like yeah. a
3: circular saw kind of looking thing. I only saw it still. I didn't see the video of it. Yeah. But uh, there's a it's taken from kind of a surveillance camera yes. look. Did she get in? I'm not sure. Uh, we need to find out whether, to uh, yeah. whether she got in to, to get the Botox. I think that she probably got caught before. You know, they've probably got to keep that stuff under lock and key. I have not yet reached Botox level. Well, I mean, arguably I have. I just haven't done it myself yet. Um, I was thinking about uh, whipping up a home batch. It's just botulism, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. We could do that. Yeah, yeah.
2: it's just, you know, the most poisonous thing you can put into your body. I think my chances. I say I want like an experiment at home. Do it in space.
3: I mean, exactly. And, you know, you could probably find the recipe on the Internet. You could find just about everything online. So, uh, you know, I'll I'll let you know how that goes uh, if there's any future to that and if I survive.
1: Yeah, she actually did get in. She was surveillance video shows her cutting through the glass of a window to get in, then leaving with the aforementioned anti-aging products, according to Mm. CBS DFW. She made off with an estimated one thousand dollars in product, and apparently, is a five thousand dollars reward for her capture. Oh, so. she did get away. Yes. I thought she was caught. Oh, she's. I'm pretty sure that she will be caught at some point. So, really, um, wow. you, know, you like a uh, you like a uh, various creams and moisturizers and things like that. Have I've been you, known to moisturize from you, time to time. Have you considered uh, breaking and entering to get my moisturizing? Stuff Go on. No, I'll just go to a, a a store at the airport because that's where I live now, in the uh, airport. D- do they sell Botox at the airport now? They don't sell Botox, but not... they sell various creams and moisturizers. Well, I me. wouldn't be surprised these days because they sell everything in the in the airport vending machines. They now. they they really Why do. Why not Botox? Mm-hmm. They'll a have a idea idea homemade
2: kiosk of, uh, at the airport of, <laughs> the, your, yes. of your Botox. By the, the way, I did,
1: I, I did buy cover-up at the airport when I was coming to New York because I was going on, I think, the Dr. Oz show, and I had lost my cover-up. On, the, uh, on my 14-city book tour, the only thing that I lost was uh, my razor and my cover-up. So I, I consider that a win.
2: That's a win.
3: Do you That's have a, a particular uh, uh, hue or shade? That I say basically
1: like pale vampire. Alabaster. And then they say, okay, fine. Yeah. For our listeners, uh, that yeah. checks out. <laughs> so Darren, thank you very much for joining us. Where can the people follow you?
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to talk to you both. You can follow me at Carpe Darren. It is literally just my name backwards. It also means seize the darren. So there you go. Nice. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can download Martinis and Murder wherever you get your podcasts.
1: That's right, and it's a very good show. Thank and, you. And uh, at CrimeCon, they actually had the like the money booth there. Like when you walked into Podcast Row, it's like the first thing you saw. Mm. Was martinis It
2: helps murder. when your when your network you know sponsors the whole it thing. Is true. I was going to
1: I wasn't going to mention that, but okay. Fine. <laughs> and by the way, when I went on martinis and murder, no martinis. I was going to say no murder. Uh, what, what's up with that?
3: Did you did you get to, nope. did you offer martinis? Did you have a big pitcher of nope. martinis at CrimeCon.
2: Wait. John didn't offer you a martini, I, We really? had no
1: martinis. I was surrounded in a room with like p- p- pictures of like the uh, Real Housewives because they share the same, <laughs> the same I would make studio same well. studio. Oh, I'm going to bring this up to
2: Space Force. I can't have that. <laughs> I can't
1: have that. Uh, okay, so again, check out our content on TrueCrimeDaily.com and on Facebook. And subscribe to us on YouTube. And don't forget to download our weekly podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Play. If you got comments or questions about the show, call us up, leave a message at 888-548-9758. We love hearing from you, and of course, we might run your comment on air in a future podcast. So until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast reminding you, don't do crimes.